Support for this episode is brought to you by SipTequila.com. They just rolled out a brand new website as we head into the holiday season, as well as adding some new brands to their portfolio. Shipping is free on all orders over $149. And they also have a program where you can subscribe and save. Have a favorite bottle that you order regularly? Put it on subscription to experience even more savings. SipTequila.com. Premium tequilas shipped direct to your door. We all want to leave a legacy. To make a lasting impact on our friends, our family, on the world. By passing down something great. When you think of multi-generational producers, it's hard not to think of legacy as their talents and passions get passed down over the years. My guest today lives his life focused on legacy, and he's teamed up with a family who has tequila origins going back to 1904. We're going to hear his story and try El Gran Legado de Vida on this episode of The Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. Welcome to the show. This is the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price. I've got a newer brand today that's already getting rave reviews. I'm here with the co-founder and CEO of El Gran Legado de Vida, Steve Vera. Steve, welcome to the show and thanks for being here. Hey, thank you for having me, Doug. It's a complete pleasure. Steve, you seem like you lead a pretty awesome and adventurous life. You've got a big background in strategic marketing. You also worked in the entertainment industry for many years. I wanted to hear a little bit about your story before we get into the new tequila. I'm trying to see where where to start because it is a pretty long story, especially since I did it for 15 years. It's hard to really pinpoint or to go specifically on what exactly I did or who was the top guy or gal that I worked for. But to put it in a nutshell, I basically was in the entertainment industry, Los Angeles, California boy, born and raised. One way or the other, six degrees of separation in Los Angeles, California really means two degrees of separation. So you know somebody that knows somebody in the industry. I was 15 years old when I had my first business. And my first business at age 15, I used to do mobile auto detailing. So when I did mobile auto detailing, I actually, it's crazy how I did it, but I ended up really hustling and getting into the Beverly Hills estate with flyers. And the first few clients that I had, which I was very fortunate and very excited at age 15, if you can only imagine, was uh, Shaquille O'Neal. Okay. He had 32 cars. And, you know, I ended up washing his cars and polishing his cars. Obviously, through Shaq, I got Kobe Bryant, the owner of the Lakers. I had the whole Laker team. And that's really where it started with my entertainment industry as an entrepreneur at age 15. Did not even have a plan. Uh, I just had a will in a way. We were out of this little town or this, I shouldn't even say town, this little area called South Central LA. So very, very humble beginnings. We didn't have any money. You know, it was either fight or flight. That's where I think I, I literally learned all my grind. And I got into that industry of entertainment via my first business that then became a second business, which was a window cleaning business, because I found whatever you guys need, I do, my people do. And then eventually it turned into, I'll be your assistant. My first assistant job was with Lamar Odom, which back then he was with the Clippers. Okay. Lamar Odom back then, he's looking at me and he goes, Steve, you're like super young and like, what about school and all this? I said, hey, you worry about you. I worry about me. You know, he gave me my first opportunity. I think I was like 18 then. I became a, his personal assistant. And now, mind you, back then, I was already making like three to $4,000 a week at that age. He's like, dude, you're, you're making more than what I'm going to be able to pay you. I said, look, I'll work for free. You know, I kind of started working my way in from athletes to sports figures, entertainers, 
And I think the latter end of my entertainment career where I became a state managing, I was the right-hand man to Al Pacino for about eight years. Wow. And this is Al Pacino, the actor. It was, it was crazy. I mean, and, you know, he's like, a, he's like a father to me. I haven't seen him in a few, it's been at least two to three years. So I'm, I'm kind of excited to go back to LA and uh, you know, come to his house and be able to say, hey, check out this little project I've been working on for so long and, you know, give me your blessing. <laughs> bring him a bottle. Yeah, bring him. I might just bring him a bottle. The only problem is that, you know, he is a recovering alcoholic. Oh, okay. I don't think that would yeah. be a good thing. Yeah, don't so bring I, him a bottle. I'd rather not do that. Don't bring <laughs> yeah. him a bottle. And then I also heard at some point, did you do a lot of work out in Vegas, creating some shows or helping some artists get out in Vegas? Yes, I did. Absolutely. So, I mean, I went way back when I was 15, right? And the stuff that I used to do, but I always found a niche where there was something missing. I always had that brokerage mentality where I know somebody you don't know. You want to know somebody that I know, and I would link them up together. So in a nutshell, one of my clients, which now he, he has passed away, he was the president CEO of the entertainment side of the MGM grant. Okay. He was telling me of all these talents that he wanted to bring into Vegas. And back then, there was your CAAs, there was these big old agencies, but they didn't want to go through that hoops that you have to go through to get to the talent. I was, I was the guy that could always go directly to the talent. So in this case, it was back in ABDC, which is America's Best Dance Crew. America's Best Dance Crew back then, I don't know if you're familiar with the show. I have heard did, of it, yeah. Did you ever hear yeah. it? Okay, so America's Best, America's Best Dance Crew back then, the champions of season one were the Jabberwockies. The Jabberwockies are a dance crew, you know, they wear the masks and whatnot. Yep. Yes. So what I did is I came to the MGM Grand with something that nobody had done before. There was no talent like that that ever had been brokered into them the way I was doing it. So I brought on the Jabberwockies. It was their dream to have a Vegas show. And I said, I can make that happen. So I got the president over there. I put them together, obviously got the audition and it was case closed. The first dance crew urban show in all of Vegas was responsible for broken that deal. And I did the production deal of the Jabawakis in Las Vegas, which they're still in Las Vegas now. You know, we're talking 10 years later, they're still in there. It was pretty cool. So a crazy background, a, a lot of excitement. And the only thing yeah. you can do to top that is to create a tequila <laughs> brand. As we know, tequila is so hot. At, at some point you, you do shift and, and you create this brand. Tell me a little bit about that. How did that start? What was that process? And, and how long ago was that when you really started? We're going to launch El Gran Legato. It's pretty interesting because when I, when I decided I'm done with the ender, entertainment industry and I said, I just got to leave. I'm done. You know, I'm basically retiring and I want to leave. First thought that came to mind was Mexico. Now, mind you, I'm not Mexican. You know, I didn't know anybody in Mexico. And I said, I'm going to, I'm going to take off for two weeks, which I did. Came to Puerto Vallarta, but in route of going to Puerto Vallarta, I went to Guadalajara. I really wanted to start a family. I didn't have a girlfriend back then. I couldn't keep a girlfriend because I was steady working so much. Fast forward, I met the most amazing woman over here in Mexico, started courting her. We became, you know, married, had my daughter. And I, and I said, well, this is pre my daughter. I said, you know what? I got to do something for the country that opened up their doors for me. You know, an American that's coming over. Uh, what is Mexico all about? And that's really when my journey with tequila started. Because tequila to me was really tequila. Yeah, I had so many bad experiences in California with tequila. And being a brand owner now, like, I can't say the name of the brand, but I could give you some hints. It was of gold color, the bottle, okay. and it had four numbers on the front. Okay. All right. So that was my 
first experience, I think I was at age, I don't know, 18, 19, which I know you shouldn't have been drinking at age. And it was horrible. And I said, I will never drink tequila again. So when I came over here, my now wife, her dad is a tequila aficionado. He told me, you have to drink this tequila. And I looked at him and I said, dang, I don't know. And he poured me a glass. And the funny thing is, it was a glass out of a bottle that had a horse in the front of it. And it had a number seven on it. So I'm sure you know who, what brand that is, right? I think I know. Yeah. You think you know? Okay. So, so I tasted it and I was completely blown away. I said, well, whoa, what is this? And he said, this is the good stuff that we don't send to the U.S. We send all the bad stuff to the U.S. And he starts laughing. And I was like, oh my God, really? And that's really where my journey started with tequila about eight years ago. That was like my first aha moment and love and respect for what in my mind then was a very, very good spirit that I didn't even know what a spirit really was until that very moment. I wanted to know more. So he would always tell me a lot more stories about tequila and the harvesting and agaves. I didn't even know what an agave was, which is crazy. You know, I didn't know that from an agave plant came the juice that came, you know, tequila, yeah. which is now this industry that I'm involved in. Fast forward a little bit. I meet who is my partner now. His name is Frank. We meet Frank. My wife's best friend, is, her husband, is now my partner. So it kind of like worked out, right? We, he, he knew the background that I came from. He's a guy that's really much into uh, marketing and branding here, designing. And, and he's the, the guy that really is responsible for all the, all the imagery of our bottle. You know, he's, he's the creative guy. He's a creative director. We start shooting ideas back and forth. And he goes, hey, you know, uh, my family has about 300 acres in Michoacan. He goes, wouldn't it be funny if we just planted some agaves? Ha ha ha. And I was like, yeah, I don't care. Whatever. Let's do it. How much does that cost? He's like, I don't know. Let's figure it out. So it was a joke when we did it. We actually started with five hectares, which is close to 11 acres, which is equivalent to about 21,000 hijuelos that we planted. Okay. That was test phase. We did that and we were bit by the bug. What year was this? Roughly. This was 2016, I think it was. Okay. 2016, 2017. This was about 2006. Yeah, this was 2016. So we planted them, not knowing what we were doing. Obviously, the first year, we almost lost every single one of our plants. And we were doing everything right. You know, went to the CRT, didn't even know what the heck a CRT was. Went to, uh, uh, figured out the dot. We were within the denomination of origin of tequila, right? Like just barely, right? So we were like, yes, we had the land. So we said, hey, you know what? Let's do it. And we were addicted, man. We got addicted and, and we started with, with 21,000 plants of hijuelos. I think they were the size of, uh, toronjas, which is grapefruit size. First corte, which is, you know, first, first harvest, hijuelos. So there were, there were premium hijuelos. And we just were like, dude, I have some money laying around. You do too. We have some land. You're down for some more. And he was like, let's go. So we went from five hectares to 20 hectares to another 20 hectares. And every year we've planted 20 hectares up until today. So we have a total of about 975 close to 1 million plants planted right now as we speak. Wow. Yeah. So we started very conservative. So you're, you're waiting. I mean, time, time is our friend to, oh, yeah. to let these guys go. Well, we had, we had our first harvest. Okay. And off of our first harvest is Lote One, 
Gran Legado de Vida. Okay, so, and, and we will get into this whole process uh, and starting in the field, but all of these agaves, these are all from Michoacan. This is Michoacan estate-grown agaves. Yes, Very absolutely, cool. 100%. So my, my business partner, his, his family, they come from a, a family of farming, so they know about farming. I come from the city. I know zero about farming. Now I know farming, but back then I didn't. So it was, it was a challenge the first year, and then it just gradually started becoming a lot easier and then COVID hit and it became a lot harder because of a lot of things yep. for everybody in the world, as you know. But the great thing is that, and the love for agave, the, just the agave plant all in itself, it's kind of like a cactus. Like you could beat it up and it's so loyal to you. It just takes a very small amount of water, you know, a very, very small amount of water or just rain, rain season. But it's just kind of cool how, you know, the first three years is the hardest to make sure that baby grabs enough to where it does on its own. And then after that is you're coasting, right? You're coasting. So six years for, you know, our first lot, first estate, we're harvesting every year now here forward, 2000. Our first one was 2022 and, and we're going 2023, 2000, all the way to about, well, we haven't stopped the planning. We st- we're still planning, actually. Every year we plant 20, 20 hectares. So. I love that. You know, we see brands that come to the market pretty fast. I mean, I do know some brands that from, from idea right. to, to getting out there, they were able to get out there pretty fast. You've spent six years getting from, yeah. hey, let's start talking about this, and you're using your own mm-hmm. agaves. That one s- separates you. I mean, that that does separate you and what you guys are doing, which is a pretty special thing. Six years. I mean, you had to go through COVID. What were some of those uh, things that, that you had to navigate? Was there ever a time where you thought, hey, maybe we should just be agave farmers? Maybe let's just keep planting and let someone else do all of this because, you know, you're bringing a spirit from another country that is heavily regulated. It's alcohol. You, you've got to navigate a lot of different things. Was there ever a time where you thought this may not happen or, or what were some of the things that you learned or that process of getting it? Cause it's now here. I mean, it is here. It's here. You know what? When we first started, it was just, let's just do something just to do something. We never, we never thought about creating our own brand. However, we both come from an industry where we are pros at creating brands. So, but we didn't think about it. We just said, hey, we're going to be agave farmers. Right now, back then, the agave was at 15, 15 pesos per kilo. So I'm like, hey, if it ever goes to 20, we're good. Well, fast forward to today, it's 33 yeah, it's, pesos it's gone per up. kilo. <laughs> it's gone okay? up, yeah. And that's, if, and that's if you could find it because nobody wants to give it up. Well, when I did a study of the market, because that's another thing that I love to do, I did a study of the market six years back. I had an idea about making my brand, because now I started thinking, I create a brand, I bring a celebrity, because I come from the celebrity world, yeah. and we're going to blah, blah, blah. Well, now, fast forward, everybody everybody has a celebrity tequila brand basically popping up every week. I, we, we knew we didn't want a white label. I know that I'm all about hashtag no step skip like seriously like i'm i'm coining that because we we believe in don't skip a step so no step skip so we're we're becoming farmers and year two three i look at my business partner and said you know what we need to create our own brand brother and that's really when it started it never started originally of the brand now sitting down and shooting ideas back and forth on what are we going to call this thing right like there's so many names in the world what are we going to call it it probably was about one hour it wasn't even, didn't even take forever. We're sitting down, we're talking, 
and we're shooting ideas. And I said, you know what? This, this all sounds pretty dumb. What these names we're giving, we're going to know because we're going to feel it. And, and then I, and I shot out to him. I said, why do we do everything that we do? What is my why? And I told him just like this. I said, for me personally, if my why doesn't make me cry, I need to find a new why. So my why is my family. Yeah. My why is my family. That's my everything. You know, my, my family. Well, number one, God, family and business and everything else. Right. But number one, that's the order for me. So I said, well, if everything, my why is my, my family, then it's my legacy. And I said it like that. My legacy is everything. And he goes, oh, legato. He says it in Spanish, which is legacy. Yeah. Our brand is El Gran Legado de Vida, which means the great legacy of life. And that's really how it, how it became to be. I love the name. I'm, I'm shocked that the name was available. I'm shocked that it wasn't. Yeah. That, well, I mean, I, I've, uh, I've talked to brands that they go, man, one of the hardest things was, was finding a name that was available and going through trademark and all of that. Cause it, it is, a, I mean, it, it's a beautiful name. And I, and I get a sense, we've had some conversations offline that I know that you're, you're about legacy. You're about leaving something lasting to the next generation, your family and, and absolutely strong belief in faith and everything like that. So, I mean, it really does fit. You guys land at the Cascoin Distillery. This is Nam 1123, oh, is a- Chava and his family. Chava is one of the best producers and honestly, one of the most humble and down to earth guys. So what's that story? How did you connect with them? And what was that process like? Were you visiting lots of different distilleries or, or how did you end oh. up at Cascoin? Oh my God. That's, that's such a great question. So honestly, I always say it, it's by the grace of God, how we ended up there because we had already gone to four different distilleries. I don't want to put them all out there. We were already signing with the third distillery before finishing my course. So this is really where it happens because I'm from the mentality of don't skip a step. I wanted to know everything and the, the, the theory part and everything about agaves and tequila and everything. So I take Ana Maria Romero's course, right? Yeah. And I'm actually, I actually graduated with her. And while we were there, we were doing a lot of blind tasting, a lot of many, many brands. And I've learned so much and I realized so much, but there was one particular thing that happened that it was an aha moment to the 12 people that were in that course, of which the funny thing, one of the people that was in that course, graduated the course with me, is actually a brand owner himself right now. And and he launched like five months before me. I mean, I could say who it is, right? Has he been on my show? (laughs) I don't know if he has. I, I really don't know if he has, but it's Juanito, Juan from Mijenta. Yeah, he's been on my show. Okay, Juan Coronado. Yeah, yeah, Juan's great. Mijenta's great. Okay, so yeah, so he was in the same course with me or whatever. But the funny thing is that in that course, in the blind tasting that we did, we all chose what in our minds was our best tequila that we've ever drank, right? We all did it and how to be a Blanco. We did it, blah, blah, blah. And then there was some unicorns that were thrown in the mix. When we did it, and we did our tasting and our notes and the color and the whole nine, right? At the end, we were all shocked that it was a unanimous decision of that brand being our best brand, top brand. And nobody thought it was that brand. That brand was Cascaween. I had never heard about Cascaween until my course, until that very moment. So I look at my partner and I said, whoever the hell this Cascaween is, we need to freaking go there. Ending our course. You were already about to sign or you already signed to make it somewhere else. We were pen to paper, brother, pen to paper to sign. 
And we said, you know what? Hold on one last moment. We drove ourselves to Aranajo Lisco, completely like knock, knock, knock. Who is this, this guy that, you know, from this brand, the whole nine. We got in with a super cool Chava. Never would even take a, a meeting like that. Did it for us. Blah, blah, blah. We sat down. We told him we're blown away. We have to talk to him about distilling. He looked at us, saw the fire, the passion, and what we were bringing to the table. And he goes, you know what? I cannot produce anymore for no more brands. I'm tapped out. He said, but something about you guys, something about you guys, I'm willing to take that risk. And he did. Now, I could talk about it now, but he won't, he won't ever do more than a year now. We signed him for five years back then. We got him. Wow. I said, as many years as we can do. Yeah. And we got him for five years. And now he laughs about it. He's like, damn, you guys got me for five years. Today, hey, we're good, brother. But we're doing good. You know, you never know. It's a risk on both sides. Yeah. What if we fail? What if they fail? You know, which obviously they're not going to fail 104 years in the, in the business, right? So we were that fortunate. We have became a family. We love our nom. I praise it everywhere we go. We are very fortunate to have the Rosales family completely backing us on, on our vision and our dream by creating, in my opinion, the best juice on planet Earth. The thing that we do bring to the mix that's different from everybody else is that we're the first brand out of NOM 1123 that's bringing in agaves from Michoacan. Yeah, I assume, I assume these would be Valley agaves. That, you know, this is a yeah. distillery is located in the Valley area, but you're, right. you're bringing your own agaves in from Michoacan, which is pretty awesome. That's basically the story with how we got with Chava. <laughs> El Gran Legado's here with your tequila blanco. For those that have had it, they are loving it. We've got three ingredients. This is, this is legit traditional tequila. We've got water, we've got yeast, and we've got mature Blue Weber agaves. I love how we've got these three ingredients and all brands, they all have to use Blue Weber agave. Everyone's starting somewhat from the same playing field. It's not like Mezcal right. where, you know, they can use different varietals of Espadine, Tobola, Ensembles, and so on and so on. But for tequila, everyone's starting with the same cards in their hands, but through the process, through the process and, and also the terroir where these agaves are coming from. But right. there are different turns that you can take along the way to get a final product. In the Casqueen Distillery, they have multiple tools through their process of, of producing tequila at their disposal to create a unique and beautiful tequila. I want to get into the production of your process for El Gran Legado before we even get to the distiller, which you've been talking about. So you've got your own agaves, you're bringing them in. I mean, is that what, what's the distance there from Michoacan to El Arnau? Uh, how, how, how long of a drive is that? Okay, from Vista Hermosa, Michoacan is literally right in the borderline of Michoacan to Jalisco. That's right. So it's okay. literally on the borderline. So that is fortunate for us because from like, say, Guadalajara, from Guadalajara to Vista Hermosa, Michoacan, you're going to do about an hour 15, an hour 30 to our fields. But from Guadalajara to Adelaide, Jalisco, you're going to do 40 minutes, maybe. So you're really looking at two hours and a half. Now, obviously, the transport is going to go a lot slower with 60 tons of agaves on the back, right? Sick counted three hours and a half transport time to get it from one place to the other. But I think we're, we're really where it all begins even before the harvest is being at the right bricks which that's something that that Chava literally told us, like, if it's not, if it does not meet the criteria that we need to create the perfect cascaween juice, 
we're not going to allow it. Yeah. And, and one of the main things was 33 bricks. So literally this is us, you know, going in there drilling. I don't know if you've ever seen the process, but you kind of drill yeah. the agave, right? Boom. You drill it, you pull it out, you grab the little fibers. You have this little, like little tool that kind of dr- do the drop on there and it, it measures the bricks. Right. And literally we were like, like shaking, are we going to be there or not? Like, what the heck are we going to do? And we were actually just a tad above. So we were like right there. So we were like, yes, we got the perfect juice. Right. But that's because of the maturity of the agave. You know, if it was maybe a four year agave, it would not give you that, that bricks unless it was on a certain type of terroir, which we were different because we have the terroir where it's more like a, how do I explain it? It's not it's not Altos red dirt, okay. right? And and it's not valley volcanic sort, yeah, sandy type, yeah, yeah. yeah I was so going to ask, is, what are some of those characteristics? And so Michoacan, I, I know there's some great mezcals coming out there, right? I don't know too many tequilas that are actually coming out of Michoacan, but what what's the you know the makeup there of that soil and some of those characteristics that that you're getting from those agaves? Well, the soil the soil is like really black soil, okay. And and it's 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 crazy because it's like they call it chicloso, which is kind of like like a sticky kind of like like clayish, but it's black. Now that black soil, it's great for uh, sweet potatoes, right? Because they the sweet potatoes come out a little bit bigger. They have I don't know some nutrient that it just makes it, you know, it's not too wet and it's not too dry. It's like the perfect it's the perfect terrain for for sweet potatoes and even corn. So it was really an experiment altogether. Nobody in that whole entire area had ever planted agaves. And now where we are, there's like four other fields of people that are planting agaves. And not only them, Don Julio, they came and they bought like 400 hectares and planting all their agaves there. It's insane. Well, they have deep pockets yeah, too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they came in and they just took all their land. So you've got these agaves. They're they're making their way from Michoacan. They arrive at the Casqueen Distillery. Let Let's paint a picture uh, for our listeners. Anybody who hasn't been there, as you said, it's located in El Arnal. You go through these gates, and there's this large open courtyard where these agaves get dumped, and they're right in front of the brick ovens that they've been. You know, those brick ovens been around there for a long time, as you said. I mean, they've been. I think they started producing. In the 50s, it's been around since 1904. I mean, there's a legacy there within that distillery. Right. Tell me a little bit about they're going into the brick oven. How long? What What's the process there as we as we start to to make tequila? Well, the interesting part and and what makes this really the whole process just cascoine altogether an artisanal premium. It's just the whole process, right? It's just there's just so many hands that take place into this great journey. Like you know, here comes the truck. And starts going up, tick, 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 and then boom, 60 tons of, you know, huge agave piñas roll out. That moment is just like tears, right? Tears f- from our eyes. They're like, imagine waiting that all those years. And here comes yeah. the, the fruit, right, of our labor just right in front of us. And not knowing really what's going to take place. So it was really as much as a, as a journey for us as it was even for the listeners right now as I'm describing it. But the piñas come down, they stay there for one day, right? One day. And the very next day they come and they slice the piñas in half, which I was like, why are they slicing them, right? Why didn't they just put them in whole? Well, it makes sense. They slice them in half because they start stacking them in the brick ovens. They st- it's like Legos, right? They stack them, stack them, stack them. 
once it's completely stacked, I mean, I'm talking to the point where the door barely, barely closes. They literally put their foot on the yeah. smash it and they close the agaves in there. And that's when the really the, the process and the journey really begins. Cause it's like, it's three days steam injected, right? Going in there, cooking these agaves, right? Steam injected, boom, boom, boom. And there's a fourth day, which is the cool down. So it's really four day process before those brick ovens even open. Have you, have you ever seen like, Oh yeah, I've been there. Okay. So yeah, so it's it's pretty cool because even when they open up the oven, that smell that of sweet agave, like literally you go in there with your hands and you pick it, pick it out and you could just like suck out the, the agave juice. Yeah. Just, oh, it's so good. I, I mean, it's just awesome, right? They've got a door on both sides. So they open them up there. I, I've been in those ovens. I've, I've grabbed, I've done exactly what you said. I've grabbed cooked agave from those ovens and ate it. It's one of the best things in the world. And they go in on one yeah. side and then through the other side of the oven, they're now bringing them to the back end of the distillery where we then start to go towards where we've got a crush. As I said, they've got a few different tools at their disposal for production. What's going on the next step after these agaves have cooked and they've cooled down? Uh, I imagine they're, they're being shredded and then we're going to start to get that juice from those agaves. Right. We were like caught between, uh, do we do Tahona? Do we do roller mills? We were, yeah. we were going back and forth with that for a while. Cause they can do both. Yes. And at the end of the day, after studying the market and really putting ourselves aside, because I'm a Tahona guy, I'm more of a, of a high proof guy. My partner was more of a roller mills and even a 38 at that 38 ABV. And which is pretty common in Mexico. Right. Which is common in Mexico. Exactly. So we were kind of like, well, what do we do? What do we do? And I had to do a study of the market, figured out that the perfect, most accepted ABV and juice for the market we were going to try to hit was at 40 ABV and non-Tahona. So we went roller mills, right? So it goes into the roller mills yep. and they shred it and they start putting in uh, the deep water, right? Yeah. Deep well water, which, you know, I got, I have to emphasize on that because there's just something awesome about Cascaween's deep well water. It's something special because we've, we've tried different waters in different places and you'd say deep well water is the same. No, it isn't. The mineralities and everything on the, on the terrain is just different. And I think that's the se- one of the secret recipes of, of Cascoin is their water, just their water. So as it's going right there through the, through the roller mills, getting shredded and getting the juice out and going into the tanks, right? Because they go into the, well, they go into the, they call it reten, which is the, the steel. And then it goes towards fermentation, right? Yeah. We find out which it's going to go on the fermentations. It was all really a journey because we left it all in Chava's hands. We didn't choose any of this. We said, we trust you blindly in what you're going to do for us. With other than saying that it will be Roller Mills versus Tahona, he took it and he went for it. You know, this is basically his baby on that, you know, all the way through. It went from there, the extraction, 100% mills, we went into fermentation, which the fermentation was four days in the stainless steel tanks. Okay. You no, know, they've got concrete there as well. They can do a couple of different things, but you're going up those, and wood as yeah, well. and wood. And you're, you're going up those stairs, those giant stainless right. steel tanks. You're going fermentation. What was it? Three, four days, depending on weather or what's going on with fermentation. Yeah, it was a four day fermentation. Okay. 
And then from there, we leave fermentation, a pretty low ABV, that Molsto, we're now going to distillation where I've seen those guys. I've seen the logs. I've seen them working there. I've tasted it from the still. Uh, how are we doing distillation? Because I know, you know you've got stainless steel, copper, copper. What, what's going on with distillation? You know, when we got to distillation, I didn't know what to expect, really, because I, again, we left it all towards Chava's he was guiding it all the way through. Yeah. So we didn't know if it was going to be copper, copper. We didn't know if it was going to be copper stainless. We didn't know if it was going to be stainless, stainless. First was stainless steel. Second distillation was copper to stainless. That copper can kind of soften it a little bit. Uh, really, as you say, a little silkier there. First time is stainless steel. And then second round, right. we start to introduce copper there. And then it comes off Correct. still 55%, I believe I, I read. Yes, it comes out at 55. And right there, when it came out at 55, we actually tasted it at 55. It's amazing, isn't it? And I it? was like, oh, man, I was like, can we just do it at this? And Because <laughs> I'm a high proofer, right? Yeah. I was like, dude, it, this is like 110. This, this is, is good. full force <laughs> agave sweetness. Right. But again, I had to put myself aside. My partner's like, stop it, Steve. We got to put ourselves aside, right? So then we said, okay, now we're we're going to go for the 40. We said 40. Proofing it down. You're proofing it down to, to 40. Right, which is which is with, with the water again, right? Yeah. The, the deep well water goes in there and they start bringing down to 40. Now we wanted to experiment because we, we had bought our own tanks. Chavo was so cool that he allowed us to buy our own tanks, stainless steel tanks, and we put them in there, right? And we, I wanted to have our own stuff, right? And and he was cool. He was like, dude, go ahead. I have space. So now he would not allow that. I was going to say, he doesn't have a ton <laughs> of space. He, yeah, he doesn't have a he ton of space. Yeah, right. But we back then, he was like, sure, go ahead. And we bought him immediately, put him in, branded him. And he's like, oh, great. Your tanks are still here. But <laughs> but it was pretty cool because, you know. He said for at least five years. Absolutely. Hey, you said that. No, So we put him in there and then... It, there was a stabilization that happens for uh, 15 to 30 days. Okay. Okay. After after the, the distill, they had to stabilize, right? Before we did uh, packaging, which was the bottling and, you know, et cetera, et cetera, all the way to yeah. the point where we brought it out to the market. So we're, we've got it. It is here. It is starting to hit and we will eventually get to, you know, where people can find it. I'm starting to see people that have it. I've got some here, man, on the nose. I get a little mint. I get a lot of agave. I mean, there is some sweet agave here. This Blanco is creamy. It does have, I mean, it's crazy that you're bringing in agaves that, you know, for, for Java to say, Hey, as long as it meets my requirements, I'll go ahead and use your agaves, but this does have that DNA of Chava and Cascoin. But again, they've got all those different tools that they can use. They're able to create different profiles because there's a, a few different brands coming out of that distillery, a lot of amazing brands, but they can go left or right and still have just a high standard and create unique Absolutely. profiles with this. But man, this is this is 100% what you would consider a quality, just amazing, authentic Blanco with your El Gran Legato. When you first tasted it, I know you tasted it at the 55, as you tasted for the product, uh, were you guys going, hey, we did it. This is exactly, I mean, at, at some point you had to bring uh, your father-in-law some of this to see what uh, he thought. And what was it like wow, when you first got this? That's like, you know, I'm getting goosebumps again, just you know, you brought me right into the picture. I love how you like did that because I'm a storyteller. I love, I love it, especially if it's my story, but you're a great storyteller. So literally at that very moment, I was there, we were there when they 
when they filled the very first bottle, bottle number one, lot one, El Gran Legado de Vida, all by hand. Everything is by hand. Everything from the core to the, the labels to the everything is done by hand. And they literally, as they pass it to me, I was the first one to hold the bottle. And I swear to you, tears came down. It was like tears I've been holding for so long. Tears came down. And for that very moment, it reminded me and it brought me back to the moment that the doctor handed me my daughter for the very first time. I swear to you, wow. it was the same feeling like my baby, right? Yeah. And, and that says a lot. So I got it. I look, I look at my partner. I'm like, can I keep this one? This one's mine. Yeah. And he was like, go ahead, dude, keep it. He kept bottle number two. I kept bottle number one. And the absolute first bottle filled, right? Of course, my father-in-law, I was like, he's my, he's the guy. So what I did for him, something special, I got a glass case. I signed the bottle. I dedicated bottle number one, which is everything to me. I dedicated my bottle number one to him, gave it to him. His eyes, you know, bloodshot red, right? And he's one of those Mexican guys that don't, they don't break, right? And he broke. And I said, I pass my legacy on to you with only one exception. The day that you're in God's grace, that bottle comes back to my daughter. And he agreed. So I was like, yes, it'll be, it'll be mine again someday. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> bottle one returns. No, it's got to be special. I mean, for, for you to have seen this, again, that's not like you just went to, hey, I want to make tequila. And they said, hey, we've got some juice in these tanks. We can put your brand on it. Right. You saw these agaves go into the ground. You saw the journey on the first few years of, of getting Absolutely. them to really take hold and, and to see, you know, five, six years of growing and then walking this through with Chava and your partners. It's a pretty special thing. This Blanco, it's creamy. There's some pepper there. There's some anise. It, it does have a long finish, but man. That, that agave is just front and center, just as Chava does best with really showing you, this is what tequila, you said at the beginning of this, I, I knew of tequila as something that, you know, I never wanted. I do a ton of tasting events. Every time I do a tasting event, I start out by saying, hey, show of hand, who's ever had a bad experience with tequila? And everybody, I do that on purpose because everybody raises their hand. And I say, well, tonight we're going to change that. We're going to introduce you to some tequilas that are far greater. You know, we're going to tell this story. And that's what you've done here with this Blanco. What, what are some of the tasting notes and characteristics that you're getting from this Blanco? Oh, wow. It's fair to say that it's changed a little bit. I think I, I had originally a lot of my emotions involved with it. So my original notes versus my notes today yeah. have changed. You're able to step back a little bit after you spent some time I with did. it? I did. Absolutely. And another thing, first notes, just a distilled, very different from when the bottle's been sitting, right? Yeah. 30, 60 days, and doing the proper opening of a bottle, 10 to 15 minutes, let it breathe, you know, and all, you know, so it depends on even the emotional state. Obviously, a lot of agave, mineral, yeah. right? Which to me, that and my partner, that was the signature we wanted to have. We wanted to have cascaween signature all the way through this, which is the minerality, the agave, the pop, right? We, we did ha want to have a little bit of the cooked agave though, right? We did want to have it, you know, not to be confused with like vanillas or anything, which, you know, there's some brands out there that have came out with, you know, if it tastes a little too vanilla, then who knows what's going on yeah. there. But for a Blanco to have that sweet agave as one of the distinctive notes is, is not, 
is not that easy to do, actually. It's not that easy. You could really mess it up, right? Right in distillment. So I get a lot of that. I do get anise. I do get peppery and I get a, a, a bit of a tingle on my tongue that feels good. It's, and it's long. It's not. It hangs there. Yes. Which, which is good. But I don't know if it's too soon to even start talking about this, but in reality, my very first true experience of what the tasting notes were here were through somebody who became a, a real good friend of mine. And I know he's been God sent from day one to us. And it was directly with me. I can't say it was by accident. And, and it's Greg, you know, Greg Azagave. So I was going to say at the beginning, Greg, when he first met you, Greg reached oh out God. to me immediately and he said, you've, you've got to hear this guy's story. You've got to talk with this guy and you've got to taste his tequila. Greg has, has been so kind to everything I've done. He, he's such a good guy. Yeah. Was he on vacation or? He was on vacation here in Puerto Vallarta about five minutes from my office. And this, this, not to get into full the whole story, but the place he's vacationing in, I was the director of sales for four years with the first J-O-B that when I came over here and I was the director of sales in that department and I knew everyone there. So I was blown away. I said, what? You're staying there? I said, can I come see you? And he met me at the lobby, which is crazy. That's, that's a whole nother story. But he said, he met me in the lobby. He was kind of nervous to meet me because he's like, dude, I'm going to meet this guy and I'm going to have to tell him to his face, your tequila is not good. But he didn't know me. I didn't know him. I blew him and he was blown away. We, we did half a bottle kill at the lobby. He just kept asking me for more. And he said, bro, you have a winner. You have a winner. So I was, I was like, cool. He was my first. He's a good dude. Know? He's got a great collection. <laughs> he, he knows the stuff with tequila. I know he's real close with Lou. Th those guys, they, they know their stuff. And, and it's meant a lot to him getting to know you. And, and like I said, he immediately sent me a message and said, hey, oh, I, I need to make sure I introduce you to somebody. So that's, that's pretty awesome that, that you guys were able to connect. Oh, no, this is a fantastic Blanco. Do we have anything in barrels? Are we living here in the Blanco or 2023? <laughs> what, what can you share? For the legacy as the Ooh. legacy continues to, to grow. <laughs> well, you know, obviously when, when you have a hitter or if people are raving about you having a hitter out there, it just only puts the pressure for the next thing, right? Which we love. I live for yeah. that. Our original goal has changed already two times because our original goal was we're going to show the world that we did not skip one step, Okay. And we're going to bring out a Blanco and beat every criteria and level on a Blanco for at least a year. Okay. That's what we said. Okay. And then we're going to present whatever is next, the repo. And then we're going to go Añejo. And then we're going to go XA, right? Obviously, that's changed since our launch. Now that we met all these aficionados and everybody that's telling us the high proof, high proof, single barrel estate, da 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 da. And, and I'm just like, what are you guys talking about? Like, I don't know anything that you guys are talking about, <laughs> but we listen, right? We listen, you know, our Blanco has been a hit with the ladies, primarily the ladies that would say, wow, at a 40, I would have never thought it would be something that was going to not sting or burn. And they say, wow, this is a dangerously, they've dubbed it. It's everywhere uh, online right now. They say a dangerously easy sipper. El Gran Legado is a dangerously easy sipper. So we love that part. But then I said, you know what? We got to come up with the next. So yes, we, we already are in the works with some barrels. Okay. We've changed it twice. 
because other people from the same family have already now came out with what we were going to be originating. So now it's not originating. So you're pivoting a little bit. We're pivoting. Definitely what's going to come first, it's going to be the high proof. We're bringing out a high proof. And we're looking, we're looking like the high proof will be coming out somewhere between February and March. Okay. February and March. Uh, we're going to do an exclusive with it where we're going to invite some friends over, which I became our friends now. You know, this is our tequila community friends. Of course, you're invited, Doug. Thank you. Right? Thank you. And we want to really get your guys' opinion before anybody else. That's the reality. Yeah. You know, so the high proof is first. That's going to come out. But we're already in the works with a repo. So we're working on a repo, but we do not want to do uh, right at 60-day repo. We want to go six-month plus repo. Okay, so we're, gonna, we're doing a repo. I'm not going to get too much into details of that. But we've just thrown in the mix that we're going to do a single-barrel estate repo. So, so a single-barrel, right? It's a, a bit of a surprise because what we're going to do, the, a person that we're going to connect with it doesn't even know yet. So they might tell us no, okay. okay, which is crazy, but I doubt they'll tell us no, okay? So I really have said a lot. I probably, my partner's probably going to kill me, but you know what? I'm excited, man. It's like, I want to talk about it because you you guys are what, what, what keeps us alive, man. Like my passion, I, I, fire feeds fire and I just want to, I need it to keep going. So No, I, I love your passion. I love that you are figuring out, hey, what's next? You are doing this right. You said a handful of times, we're not skipping any steps here. And you really aren't. I mean, you're not skipping. You're bringing your own agaves. You've partnered with one of the best in the business. Sure, there are some other brands there and, and there's a handful of other great tequila producers, but I don't know if you're getting in there today. I mean, it's a different, I mean, he, he is at a, at a level. And so, man, what a great partnership. And and with your background to really guide this thing, I'm excited to continue to see this. It is hitting the market. I'm starting to see people have bottles of this. What's the best way I want to make sure people can find this, can purchase it. I'm sure you're opening up different markets, but what's the best way for somebody when they hear this, because when they hear this, they're going to want to go find it. So what's the best way for people to go and find this and to taste El Gran Legado. Perfect. Well, they could go to at El Gran Legado de Vida, uh, which is our Instagram, right? And everything is laid out right there on our profile. It tells you where you can get it, right? They could go to our website, which is www.tequilalegado.com. All the information there as well. And we we just finished our pre-launch through a Reserve Bar. So Reserve Bar, which is one of the biggest out there, we should be out in two weeks with them. But we do have Love Scotch. We have K&L that is, has our product. And we are now in 41 states via e-commerce, which that was my goal. Because we have extended so big through the network throughout the U.S., that a lot of people, a lot of states, they weren't, I mean, we had California when we first launched and they said, well, how do I get it? And we couldn't outside of California, but now we're in 41 states via Love Scotch and Reserve Bar. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, and again, you got a lot of agaves, so you're going to be making a lot of tequila, which is good that you're in so many places. Uh, so it's great to see that, that people can get it. I'll make sure that, that I've got links to everything as this launches and, and social media that people can find this. Steve, always a pleasure to, to speak with you. Looking you forward so to, to seeing what else comes out as you have already alluded to some amazing things. Uh, but thank you for, <laughs> for coming on the show and for sharing El Gran Legado. Uh, like I said, can't 
can't wait to continue to hear more of this story. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Doug, man. And you know what? You're awesome. You're awesome, brother. (laughs) Appreciate it. Cheers, brother. Salud. (laughs) God bless. Bye-bye. That was Steve Vera with El Gran Legado de Vida. To learn more, you can go to tequilalegado.com. And to purchase a bottle, you can go to lovescotch.com and easily find El Gran Legado. As always, a big thanks to the sponsor of the show, SipTequila.com. You can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Agave Social Club. I'm Doug Price, and thanks for listening. <laughs>